Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. And uh, today we're going to talk about future. We're going to talk about the future. And uh, it's going to be powerful. And I want to kind of catch you up as to, to where we are in the story. In Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to start. And uh, we're going to talk about the story of Moses, just part of his story. His story is a very big story. So we're not going to cover the whole thing. But I, I do want to give you a little background before we get to Exodus chapter 3. We see uh, uh, the, the, the story of Moses, as you would have heard. If you, if you grew up in Sunday school, you would have no doubt heard this story that that, that the, uh, the Israelites were growing and growing and growing, and it scared the Pharaoh of Egypt. And so he decided that he was going to kill all of the, these males, the male Israelites that were born. And of course, the midwives got involved, and they tried to protect these, these uh, Israelite children uh, from, from being literally murdered. And from them, you know, the Pharaoh telling them to kill these little baby boys. And remember, Moses was, was, uh, uh, was, was the one that was one of the children that made it, one of the boys that made it. And about three months after his birth, they ended up putting him in a basket. Remember covering it with, with tar and pitch and putting it into the river. And then Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river and ended up finding Moses and, and raised Moses as her own. He was raised in the palace. And so Moses, one day after he gets older, he's, he's seeing, he's just looking out over the Israelites, looking over what's happening and I think in his heart, he knows these things are wrong, that he's seeing things that he doesn't want to see because he sees this Egyptian slave master, Egyptian leader in a fight with an Israelite and he ends up stepping in and murders, he kills the Egyptian. And in fact, he tries to hide it because he, he ends up burying this Egyptian person that he just killed in the sand and, and really hoping that nobody sees what just happened. And he thinks that he got away with it. How many of you have ever done something wrong and you thought you got away with it, but you didn't? You know, Moses is having one of those days because the next day he goes out, he sees two Israelites uh, fighting and he steps in to help. And they're, they're, they approach him and say, well, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you did, you know, the Egyptian, the, the Egyptian yesterday? Well, he just immediately, my words, got sick to his stomach. Have you ever been there before? Like so like scared, fearful, somebody's going to find out that you just get sick to your stomach. And no doubt that's the way he felt. In fact, his, first, his worst fear came true that, that the, the news of him killing this Egyptian went through the kingdom. In fact, so far into the kingdom that Pharaoh himself found out and tried to have Moses killed. They were going to take him out. So Moses ends up fleeing out of that area, just escaping, literally running for his life. And he, he goes to this well and these, these ladies are coming to, to draw water, to feed their flocks or to water their flocks. And these shepherds are giving these ladies a hard time. And Moses, once again, he steps in and, and he wants to do the right thing. He steps in and he protects these ladies. And, and, and the ladies tell the, their, their, their dad about, about Moses. And Moses said, and the dad says, hey, why don't you bring Moses out, invite him out. And so that's what happened. Moses ends up working for this man named Jethro. And now in, in, in Exodus chapter 2, they call him uh, Ruel. 
In, in Exodus 3, they call him Jethro. And, and, and 99% of theologians believe it's the same guy. But Jethro was a priest, and so he would have a, a, a given name, but also he would have a priestly name. And his priestly name was Jethro. So Jethro ends up becoming Moses' father-in-law because he gives Moses one of his daughters as his wife, Zipporah. And Moses is just tending to the flocks. He's just tending the sheep, having a normal day. And all of a sudden he has this encounter with God that we read in Exodus chapter three. So that kind of gives you a backstory about where we're at right now in this, in this text, Exodus chapter three, starting in verse one. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, hey, I'm going to go over there and see this strange sight. why the bush doesn't burn up. I want to point out something before we go any further. So Moses sees this thing that doesn't make sense to him. There's a bush on fire. It's, it's the only bush on fire, and it's just not burning up. And he goes to check it out. So what you have happening here is you have a very normal day in the life of Moses. It's just a normal day. It's just the average day. But he, he, he has a supernatural draw. Something catches his attention. And that supernatural draw that he follows leads to a supernatural encounter. It's a normal day with a supernatural draw and a supernatural encounter. Let me tell you this. As children of God, as, as Christians... You're going, to have a, you're, you're going to have normal days. And in the middle of your normal day, you'll sense a draw. You'll sense an encounter because the Holy Spirit leads us to these opportunities that God creates that we're meant to. The Bible says we make the most of these opportunities. So God creates these opportunities for us to minister. And it'll just be a normal day with a supernatural draw that will lead to a supernatural encounter. And this happens to me and my, my wife. Hopefully it happens to you all the time. Just all the time. I, I, I wouldn't maybe not say daily, but at least weekly. I, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of times I have um, just been going out, out through my day, just going through the day. Day is normal. And all of a sudden, since a supernatural draw, just since a drawing to go talk to somebody, to, 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 to get involved in a conversation or to start in a, con a conversation, for instance, and all of a sudden, as I, as I make the most of the opportunity that I believe that the Holy Spirit is leading, him, leading me into, it creates a supernatural encounter in which that person gets to experience the, the presence of, of God, the, the power of God, the, the gospel of grace. I, I get to share Jesus with that person. And it just happens to me all the, all the time. It, and I don't mean that to brag. I just mean that God is more active in the world than what you may think he is. Like you might think he's not active when you're going to Coles. You're not thinking about the things of God. But if you stay in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will make, will, will make opportunities that you're meant to take advantage of. If you just listen. If you just stay. The, that's why the Bible says pray continually. We just pray continually. We, we're just prepared to, 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 to uh, not only fellowship with God and are fellowshiping with God all day long, but as we hear his voice, we we are prepared to answer the call of God or the draw of God anytime that he calls us. So for instance, uh, this uh, not so long ago, uh, speaking of Coles, I was in Coles with my wife and she was 
I don't know, re- returning something. I, I don't like return lines, everybody. I just don't. And so I kind of let her do that. And I just stay out, you know, where I, I, I just it, anywhere, uh, you know, uh, outside of that area, because I just don't like it. And so I decided I'm going to go around the men's department, like the cologne area, the, the clothing area. And I'm just wandering around waiting for my wife. And I see this dude that is every bit of six, seven, six, eight, has to weigh over 400 pounds, just a solid, big, burly man. I'm telling you, this guy is burly. He looks like a gangster kind of guy. And, and it's just a normal day. And all of a sudden, a supernatural draw. I got to go talk to this guy. Well, what am I going to talk to him about? I go to him, dude, you're big. Like you are. <laughs> and sometimes to get people just to relax in relationship. Now, I might not have said it like that, by the way. You know, I <laughs> might have been a little of exaggeration there. But I do go up to him like, you know, I just say these things. And I've said to a few people, even maybe here in this room, like, hey, I don't look up to very many people. Because I'm six foot three, everybody. We're almost six foot three. I don't look up to very many people. But I, I said, man, I look up to you. He smiles really big. And I start, start talking to him about his, you know, because I could tell he was a former athlete, foot, football player. I said, did you play for Notre Dame? You know, I'm just getting into conversation. And what was a supernatural draw, draw became a supernatural encounter in which I share the good news of Jesus Christ with him. And I just share the, the gospel of grace with him and say, hey, listen, you know, one, you used to, to, to serve Christ. How come you're not doing that anymore? Like, you need to come back to Jesus, and he's waiting for you. And and this big dude that most people are scared of, here I am, telling him the gospel of grace and and about the mercies of God and the forgiveness of God just on a normal day with a supernatural draw, there is a supernatural encounter. How How many of you have experienced that in your own life? Something like that. And I'm telling you, those things happen all the time if we just pay attention. If we just pay attention to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, and then when the draw is there, we don't just say, oh, I'm drawn and ignore it. We say, no, no, no I'm drawn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see what I can do. I'm going to see what the Lord wants to do in this moment. And it happens to me over and over and over and over again. And, and by the way, I'm nobody special. I'm going to show you this at the end. I'm nobody special. You say, well, 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 you're a pastor. You're meant to do those things. No, no, no. I'm a Christian and we're all meant to do those things. Like that's how we're meant to live life. It has nothing to do with me being a pastor. It just has to do with me being a child of God and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So Moses day was just a normal day. Supernatural draw, supernatural encounter. Watch what happens. And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look at this bush, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. And God said, don't come any closer. In fact, I want you to take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, watch what he says. In fact, you might want to highlight this. I have seen, indeed, he uses this, like, make no mistake about it. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And you might want to underline this, and I am concerned about their suffering. 
We'll come back to that. So he says in verse eight, God says, so I have come down to rescue them, to which Moses might have been thinking, well, that's great news because I've been seeing that too. That's great news because I remember when I would look out over the Israelites and I would see all of the trouble. Good for you, God. You should go ahead and deal with those Egyptians because they're mean. They're just not right. Somebody needs to deal with them. So I have come down, God says, to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Verse 10, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Let's stop right there. Whoa, whoa, wait, God, what? What? No, no, he said, you've come down so you can rescue them. God, you said you were going to rescue them. And God says, I am, you're exactly right. I have come down to rescue them and I'm going to use you. Now go, now go. But Moses said to God, who am I? Verse 11, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And what's this? You might want to underline this word and not because this word is not if, but when you have brought the people out of Egypt, because Moses, you're surely going to do this. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Like Moses, I'm going to give you a promise in fact, I'm going to give you a couple of promises. I'm going to be with you. That wherever you go, I'll send you and I'll be with you. And Moses, it's going to happen. So much so, will it be so obvious that I've delivered these people out of the hand of the Egyptians that you're going to come back to this place and you're going to worship me. And you're going to say, surely God, you have done this thing. Can I tell you something, everybody? that today there's going to be an encounter that people have with God at the end of the service. I really believe this. There's going to be an encounter that you have with the Lord if, you're, if your heart is ready for it, that, that God is going to put a purpose inside of you. He's going to reveal a purpose to you, and you're going to go out and accomplish it for the glory of the Lord, and you'll come back to this place with hands raised and mouths open saying, thank you, God, for you were faithful to your promises, and you did exactly what you said you were going to do, and you used me for the glory of your name and the expansion of your kingdom. And he's going to get praise for it. He's going to get, in fact, all of the glory for it. So I'm going to tell you something, a few things about Moses. So concerning Moses that God, write this down, that God revealed what needed to be changed. This is so simple. It's so simple that God just revealed what needed to be changed. Remember, as he's talking to Moses, the Lord tells Moses, he said, I am concerned about the, the suffering of my children. I'm concerned about the suffering of the Israelites. Let me say it a different way, everybody. This, this hopefully will help you get to an understanding of what he's talking about. That suffering always captures God's attention. I'm going to say it again. Suffering always 
captures God's attention. He doesn't like suffering. Suffering is not from him. Therefore, he doesn't like it. But let me say it this way. Suffering is not the life and the abundant life that we are meant to live in Christ Jesus. And he doesn't like it. It captures his attention. In fact, it's one of the reasons why, this is just a side note, but it's one of the reasons why it should capture our attention. Because we belong to our Father. We are his, and he is ours. And what captures the attention of our Father should also capture our attention. What, it, what captures the attention of our Savior should capture our attention because we are meant to, to live a life of faith in Christ Jesus. We are meant, in fact, to be imitators of God. We are meant to imi imitate Christ Jesus in this world. So whatever captures God atten God's attention should capture our attention too. That's why the Bible says over and over again in various ways, hey, listen, I want you to minister to the widows. Because oftentimes widows suffer. They have nobody to care for them, to provide for them, to fix things around the house. He's like, hey, I want somebody to take care of the widows. I want somebody to take care of orphans because they suffer. Orphans, orphans deal with things that most people don't understand. Just last night, I, I had a talk with, with my daughter, and she, she got in a little bit of trouble, and I, I talked to her about it. And, and in tears, this is my youngest daughter, my adopted daughter from Haiti. In tears, she said, you're not going to send me back to Haiti, are you? Well, of course, you know what daddy did. Daddy pulled her her to himself and said, baby, you're never, you're never going to be anything but part of this family. I am your daddy and I'll always be your daddy. You'll always be my daughter. You see what I'm saying? Because, and God, God, God is concerned about orphans because orphans suffer. Orphans suffer. He said, listen, if somebody's thirsty, they're suffering, give them something to drink. If they're hungry, they're suffering, so give them something to drink. If they don't have a warm coat in the middle of winter, by all means, just give them a coat because they're suffering. Suffering captures the attention of God. I could preach this, everybody. It captures the attention of God. Therefore, it should capture our attention if we're Christ followers. So, so not only does, does Moses see what needs to be changed, the suffering that God is concerned about. But God actually calls Moses. He said, hey, listen, I'm going to rescue them, and I'm going to rescue them by using you. Moses, you are called, what, write this down, to make a difference. And just like Moses is called to make a difference, and I'm called to make a difference, so everybody in this room, everybody watching online, all of us are called to make a difference in the world. Your purpose, your purpose is to make a difference. It's one of the reasons we just focus on four things here at New Song. To know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. That's what God wants to do in your life. And yes, it, it, takes, it, takes, it takes time, it takes, it, it takes submission on our part, it takes a life of surrender on our part, a life of study and a life of worship and a life of devotion and life of sanctification where the Spirit of God is just making us more like Christ all the time. But, but in, in the middle of all that, it's really just a simple process that God just wants us to know him. Of course, that means to know his son, Jesus Christ, 
to find freedom, which we'll talk about in a second, to discover our purpose, and just to go and make a difference because God made everybody on purpose for a purpose. And, and l- let me go a little bit further, further, everybody. Let me help you understand this better, that when you're called to make a difference, that your purpose always, 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 reve- it always relieves suffering in the life of somebody else. The purpose that God has on your life will always relieve suffering. Either now in this world or eternal suffering. Because how many know that hell is real? It's real. And it is a place of suffering and anguish and separation from God. So for the person that... that says, hey, I see somebody who's thirsty. I see somebody who's hungry. I see somebody who's naked. I see a widow. I see an orphan. I just see suffering, and I'm going to help them right here, right now in the present. Listen, that's the heart of God, and that very well could be the purpose that God has placed upon your life. He'll reveal to you needs, and he'll say, I just want you to relieve that suffering. I want you to meet that need that they have, but then there are other people and we have some in this church, they, they just have the gift of evangelism is what we would say. They are called to be evangelists, that their heart, their focus is on just reaching people with the good news of Jesus, taking them, bringing them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of the son of God. So their, their mission, their goal in life is just to go to every person who doesn't know Jesus and say, hey, listen, you need to know Jesus. Come into the family of God. And they just spend their days inviting people into the family of God. By the way, we all need to be ready to do that. But some have a special gift upon their life to do that. And we, we have, I won't embarrass him. He's here this morning. He, I have somebody right here this morning has really the, the, the strongest evangelistic calling on their life that I've ever seen in anybody's life happens to attend church right here. And he just, everybody he talks to, he talks to them about Jesus. I mean, you can't go anywhere without him bringing up Jesus to people. And I love it. I say, go get him, go, go get him. So you're, you're, you're called, your purpose is to relieve suffering either in the here and now or eternal suffering. Sharing the gospel of Jesus so they don't end up in, in an eternity separated from God and eternal anguish, eternal hell. And God says this to Moses, he said, by the way, as you live your life to make a difference, as you, as you relieve the suffering of the Israelites, I'm going to make some promises that I'm going to be with you. And when you see these things accomplished in your life, I promise you, you're going to come back and you're going to praise me for the fact that I showed up like I told you I was going to do. That I'll be with you. New song, as you answer the purpose of God on your life, it is the best life you could ever live, is living out the purposes of God in your life. Submitting, surrendering your life to Christ and saying, Christ, here am I. Send me, use me. Point out a need to me. Show show me some suffering so I can help relieve it. Show me something that needs to be done so I can make a difference. And the Bible says if you live your life like that, there are so many promises that apply to you. That God is going to bless you. He's going to give you success. 
He's going to show you his favor. He's going to give you increase. He's going to provide for you. He's going to do the supernatural through you. And it's all throughout scripture that when you live a life of surrender, let me say it this way. When you will live a life that honors God, God honors you. It's just how it works. And I'm telling you, God blesses me, my wife, my family, but we also are trying our best to live a life of surrender to him. Sometimes, in fact, there have been times in the past that somebody come to me and said, well, Justin, you just live in a bubble of blessing. You just live in a bubble of blessing. Well, first of all, that's jealousy. You need to stop that. You know, I, I didn't tell him that. I didn't say that. I could have, but I didn't. Uh, but I thought it though. <laughs> it's like, and, and I, I did answer them in a way. I said, no, I, I, I said that you're viewing it the wrong way. I said, yeah, God's blessing is upon my life. You're right. And if you want to say I live in a bubble blessing, that's fine. But you need to know I live a life of surrender. I just do what God tells me to do. I do it. I, I do it as my, with, I try my best to live a life of integrity. I, I, if God says in his word to do it, I just try to do it. I, I just try my best. If he says to give, I give. If he says to serve, I serve. If he says to go, I go. If he says to obey, I obey. I, I, I'm just living a life of surrender. And if you want to accuse me of, of living a life of blessing, I'll take it. I'll take it. But I also know what it's like to surrender to the Lord too. To give up things that, I, that God has asked some things from me that I didn't want to give. Has he ever asked that of you? And can I tell you something else? I haven't said this in a long time, but it's still the truth. Whatever you, you, whatever you refuse to give to God is the very thing that he will require of you because he'll have no other gods before him. So whatever you withhold from God, say, God, you can have everything, but I'm, not, I'm keeping this. God's saying, oh, that's exactly what I want because I want all of you. I don't want, I don't want you to hold anything back from me. I want to be first in your life. I'm going to teach you about that in a couple of weeks. The, that order is important. That'll be two Sundays from now as we talk about firsts. First, but God promised you, he promises us good results. So you say, okay, well, pastor, I get it. That's wonderful. How does this apply to me? Let me break this down for you. Number one, write this down. That the lives of others depend on me. The lives of others depend upon you. Suffering people depend upon you. And your calling might be different. Maybe you don't have the calling of an evangelist. But you know, I was thinking one, one of the people that I appreciate so very, very much in this church is Dr. Bill Krogel. He's our, our staff counselor. And he comes in one day a week and he just takes, he takes the, the bigger things from me, the things that I can't solve and just you know, help people solve. Not that I would solve it, but I could help people solve it, give them some wisdom just in, in an hour setting, you know, meeting with them once, twice. I'll take those. But if it's somebody that needs something, it's just a little bit more extended. It always goes to Dr. Bill. And, 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 and what Dr. Bill is doing is he's relieving the suffering of, of couples who are in broken marriages. He's helping to relieve the suffering of, 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 of people who, who have been hurt and abused and they're living a life of pain and they meet with them and he encourages them and speaks life and he's relieving suffering in their life. 
You see how it works, everybody? Whether you're an evangelist or whether you're a counselor or whether you run a soup kitchen or whatever it is, you're just relieving suffering. And there's, there's people who are depending on you to help them. Let me go even further. There, there are people who are depending on us and they don't even know that we exist. But they're depending on us. There are right now 47 places around the world and there's about to be more. This month, we're gonna, we're gonna plant more churches this very month. There are at least 47 locations around the world of people that we'll probably never meet, but we planted a church there and we're making a difference in that community because we funded a pastor to go plant a a church and they're making a difference, everybody. They're making a difference in that community and those people's lives depend on churches like us who will give, who will fund missions and missionaries. They depend on us and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. It's not like they're, they're, they're in Liberia saying, boy, I, I wish New Song would just give some money pretty soon because I want to hear the gospel. They're not thinking that thought. But yet they're depending on us to do what we're doing. And by the way, we're not going to stop. We're going to just keep doing it for the glory of God because God called us to it. He called us to relieve suffering, not just in the here and now, but eternal suffering for those who have not heard of the grace, the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The lives of others, can I tell you a new song? The lives of others depend on you. Somebody is depending on you. Somebody's depending on you to fulfill your purpose in Christ Jesus. So, like, okay, I I get it. Pastor, as we've talked about this a lot, in the past, but there's still a lot in this room I want to address to you. Maybe you haven't, you just haven't started anywhere. You know, you're like, oh, okay, well, he's talking about purpose again. Yes, I am, unashamedly. And there's somebody in this room saying, I, I just, I don't know what to do, though. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm about to teach a small group in a couple of weeks. Live your dream. Come to it. I'll help you. Some of you already went through the Live Your Dream course. And you're like, yeah, I haven't, I feel bad because I haven't really done anything about that haven't really put anything into effect. Well, it's time you do. It's time to step up. If you say, well, I need to just talk through it again. Come and talk to me. That's what I'm here for, to equip you, to equip you, to serve the Lord, to equip you to accomplish God's purpose on your life. But I'll tell you this, number two, write this down, that you won't possess your purpose if you're stuck in your past. That you won't possess your purpose if you're stuck in the past. That's one of the things that we teach around here a lot. We focus on, it's one of the four focuses of our church that we help people find freedom, to find freedom. And a lot of, a lot of people, even in this room, maybe listening online, you're just stuck in your past. You just can't get past your past. You're just thinking, well, I can't be used. I'm, I'm going to address that in just a second but you're just feeling guilty. You're constantly feeling guilty about your past or you feel these accusations coming on about your past and all of your failures and all the mistakes and all of the bad decisions. And, and then you're living a life. Uh, the current reality is, uh, is a product of all of those bad decisions that you've made in your, in your past. And you're like, hey, pastor, I just can't do anything. My life is a mess or I just feel guilty. I, I just feel condemned. I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm not worthy. Can I tell you something about your past? Your past does not define you. 
Your past does not define you. Yes, it exists. I want to listen to me here. Listen to me. Yes, your past exists. And your past is unchangeable. But your past as a follower of Jesus Christ has also completely 100% disappeared. What are you talking about? The Bible says that God has removed our sins as followers of Christ. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. So you're letting, you're letting something define you, your past that doesn't, even, that doesn't even exist currently. It's gone in Christ Jesus. It's disappeared. Yes, it was real. Yes, it happened. But it's not part of your life anymore. So stop letting your past restrict you from the purpose that God has for your life. Don't let it restrict you. Don't let your past define you. You are meant to rise above that in Christ Jesus and fulfill the purpose of God on your life. Well, pastor, what am I supposed to do? Relieve some suffering. What does that look like in your world? Well, tell me a need that you see that's going undone. Some, something that's happening in your world, you see suffering and nobody's making a difference there. That very well could be the thing that God has called you to do. At least it's the starting place. At least it's the starting place. Well, I do have a friend at work that, boy, they're in a mess and I feel bad for them. And they keep coming to me and talking to me. Uh, that sounds like an opportunity to me to help you relieve some suffering. There's a starting place for you. You just start somewhere. It's a normal day. But then there will be a supernatural draw. And there will be a supernatural encounter. With somebody who is suffering. With somebody who needs your help. So. You will not possess your, your purpose. If you're stuck in the past. And let me tell you the third thing. And the enemy hates, the devil hates giving up territory. But we are called and empowered by God to take it. The enemy hates giving up territory. Let, let me say it this way. When you, when you live to fulfill your purpose, you're going to face some resistance. Because the enemy hates giving up territory. But you are called and empowered by God to take it anyway. You're called and empowered by God to take territory in which the devil has had control over it. Whether for a few days or a few years or for a lifetime, the devil has been control controlling this certain territory. Maybe somebody's life, maybe somebody's marriage. Maybe, maybe the heart of a, of a little child. Maybe lost people who don't know Jesus, that the devil is in control of that territory. And listen, church, you are called by God. You are called by God to expand the kingdom of God. You are called by God to take over the territory that belongs to us as Christians, that belongs to us as children of God. And by the way, the Bible says we take it by force. We can't be casual about it. We live our life on purpose for a purpose. And it's going to cost you something. It's going to be inconvenient. 
Can I just tell you that up front? It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to serve. You're going to have to care. You're going to have to love. You're going to have to answer the call. This past, this past Christmas, Christmas day, I get a, a phone call, a very tragic phone call, a phone call that pastors never want to get. And I look at my wife and I look at my children and said, I got to go. This family needs me. And there's a part of me that says, oh, but it's Christmas Day. Hey, listen, the, the devil doesn't stop. The devil say, oh, it's Christmas. I'm going to take a break. The devil don't say that. You, you know what I'm saying, right? That's going to cost you something. But yet you'll come back home and like, boy, I'm so glad I was there. Because somebody was suffering. And they just needed a friend. They just needed some prayer support. They just needed a hug. Then you just need somebody to tell them it's going to be okay, that you're going to make it, that you're going to get through it. See, the enemy hates giving up territory, but we are called and empowered by God to take it. And some of you might say, well, Pastor, I just don't feel worthy, though. I just, I get it. You say my past has disappeared, but I'm not qualified. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't have any money. I, I and you just think of like Moses, if you keep reading the story of Moses, he had excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to speak some life into you. That just, I, I, in fact, I thought about it this morning. If I, I said in the first service, it was probably eight years ago, give or take. I think it was nine or ten years ago now. I was in really one of the darkest points of my life. And I was obviously the pastor of New Song. Um, there's never been another pastor of new song except for me. So it must've been me. And, uh, I was the pastor. I was pastoring here. I was involved in ministry and nobody in the church would have ever known the difference. You would have never known. In fact, I, I lived this way for, for a long time, for several years. I was in such deep depression. I, I, I was fearful. The devil is the Bible says the devil is the accusers. The, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's a, the accuser of the children of God. And he was just constantly accusing me and badgering me. And, and I was just getting tired of the fight. Have you ever been there? Just getting tired of the fight, feeling not qualified. Like, God, well, I don't know. I, I should just resign New Song. They deserve somebody so much better than me. And yet I knew that God had called me to New Song. And one of the things that you need to know about me is that I just have this very high respect for God. I have this deep respect for God. Like, I never want to dishonor God. I love him. And I want to honor him and obey him and serve him and worship him. And, and I knew that if I were to, I knew that if I were to resign from New Song, I would be disobeying my heavenly father. And, and, the, and the thought of disobeying my heavenly father was worse than the trial that I was going through. Does that make sense? So I still remained faithful. And I would talk to my dad. My dad was still alive, obviously, back then. I would talk to my dad. And I'd say, dad, I said, it's, it's bad. He, he said, well, Justin, your preaching is right on point. He, he said, you're preaching about faith. I said, yeah, dad, I am. And I'm doing it because God called me to do it. And I do it because it's in the word of God. And I do it because I believe that it applies to everybody else. It just doesn't seem like it applies to me. Like, like it's true for all of you. And I could preach it in faith. I just was sitting here, boy, I wish that applied to me. I was just at the lowest of the lows. And I, was, I prayed about it. I got counsel about it. And I, I've only had this happen once in my life. So I don't, I don't want you to think that this happens to me all the time. It doesn't. 
This has only happened one time in my life, but I had a dream. And it was a God-given dream. And in this dream, they, they say sometimes you can't dream in color. They say, I've heard people say, you don't dream in color. I did. I remember. In fact, the, this, in this dream, it was like I was looking at a screen. It was, it's just every, the only, only thing I saw, and it was just red, just totally red. I don't know the significance of red. Don't ask me. Don't tell me. I don't know. Because it's already done its work. I don't need to hear about it again. All right? So I see this red screen, and from the bottom of it, scrolling from the bottom to the top was not words, but it was capital MT period 11 colon 11. And it scrolled from the bottom to the top very, very slowly. And as soon as it disappeared from the top, I just woke up. And I thought, oh, I know that that's a, that's Matthew 11, 11. I've got to go look that up. So I immediately just went downstairs, got my Bible and I looked up Matthew 11, 11, and God had given me a word in a dream. And I hope it encourages you as much as it encouraged me. It's Matthew 11, 11. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Like, I'm not lying about this. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And I knew exactly. Now, I'm not saying it was easy for me to buy into it. I had to use my faith. But I knew that the Lord had spoken to me. I knew it was from God. And I prayed about it. Because in those conversations that I was having from my dad, I was talking to my dad. I'm like, Dad, you look at John the Baptist, and you look at the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul. You look at all these great men and women of the Bible. And, and Dad, I don't even come close. Like, I don't, I'm not worthy to do what God has called me to do. And I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm the right guy. I think there's a lot of other people that are more qualified than I am, that love God more than I do, that don't fail as often as I fail. I just didn't feel worthy. Like who, it's, it was that who am I? Who am I? And God revealed to me, Justin, you think John the Baptist is great? I'm going to tell you something about John the Baptist as I tell you something about you. You're going to do greater things. And I'm asking God, well, God, how? Why? Can I tell you one of the reasons why? One of the, in fact, a couple of reasons why, of the many. First of all, I'm called by God. And I'm filled with his spirit. And I have his power in his presence residing within me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, it's not that I can do all things. No, I can do all things through Christ. Because he's strengthening me to do it. So it's not, it's not my power. It's not about my power. It's about his. It's not about my worth. It's about his. It's, a, it's, it's not that I can receive any worship or any glory. It's so that he can receive all of the worship and all of the glory. And he could just use anybody who would just say, here, here I am, God, just use me. And if you come to him with that heart, he says, okay, I will. I will. Because new song. You're called according to his purposes in Christ Jesus, every one of you. 
You're called to relieve suffering, either now or for eternity. You are called out of your past. It was real, but it no longer exists. It's gone. It has disappeared by the power and in the name of Jesus Christ, it's gone. It has been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. And you are called to possess territory that the devil has laid hold of and doesn't want to give up. And yes, it's going to cost you something and there's going to be a fight involved, meaning you're going to have to live a life of faith and a life of prayer and a life of integrity and a life of generosity and a life of love. But the, the benefits of that literally outweigh anything you could ever experience in this world. The Bible says if you live your life like that, great is your reward in heaven. That when one of these days when I stand before God, we all know that when we go before God, we stand before God and we go into the gates of heaven, we're all going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. You know, I've prepared this place for you. Can I tell you something? Let's go a little bit deeper. Because God, God, God just put this in my heart, and somebody needs to hear this today, and I needed to hear it from myself. Do you think God's only going to say that once? I think God is going to say that over and over and over. Like every time I see God in heaven, he's going, oh, there's Justin, well done. Come here, give me a hug. Like over and over, for all of eternity, that, that God's going to approve of you and of me throughout all of eternity based upon our relationship with his son Jesus that we did not depend upon our own works but we depended on the work of Jesus Christ to that he says well done and because we lived a life of surrender for the glory of his name and the expansion of his kingdom I don't think I'm just going to hear it one time I don't think you're just going to hear it one time I think we're going to hear it again and again and again Oh, well done. Well done. You did good. You did good. Come on, let's hang out. Let's go ride a lion or something. I don't know. Well done. Well done. You have a purpose. If you don't know what it is, join my, my Live Your Dream class. It's coming up in a few weeks in our small group session. Join my class and I'll help you discover your purpose. If you, if you have already been in that class and you didn't do anything about it, shame on you, but don't live in guilt because your past doesn't define you. You just come back, get a refresher course or meet with me and I will joyfully help you discover your purpose one-on-one. -on -one. I'll help you discover your purpose. It's what I'm called to do. It's what I love to do. And it's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late for anybody in this room. The call of God is without repentance. It means that God never repents for calling you. God never repents for placing a purpose on your life. He never looks at you and says, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I gave you a purpose, but I messed that one up. God never does that. The call of God is without repentance. He never repents for the purpose that he's placed on your life. If he has ever put a purpose on your life and you think, I just missed it. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. That's a lie. That's not what the Bible says still yours. That purpose is still yours and it's not too late. By the grace of God, it's not too late. By the mercies of God, it's not too late. Am I encouraging anybody here today? I hope I am. Stand up with me. Some of you are still dealing with your past and I'm going to give you a chance right now just to solve that. If you just say, you know what? I am bothered by my past. Pastor, you talked about freedom from my past, that it just disappears, but I'm really struggling with that. Or maybe you've just never given your life to Jesus. 
and you say, you know what? I've never, I've never once surrendered my life to Christ. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right here, right now. With every, with every eye closed in the room, can, can I just have you just lower your heads? Just, just have a moment here. And if you struggle with things of the past or you've never surrendered your life to Christ and just have repented of your past, the Bible says if we confess our sins to him, if we talk to God about our past, all of our sins, all of our mistakes, all of our bad thoughts, our bad actions, our bad words, if we just present those to God, the Bible says if we confess those to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of those things and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll take those things and remove them as far as the east is from the west. So even though they happened, even though they were real, they will disappear in this moment. You're about to have an encounter with God. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do it right now. We had multiple people do it the first service. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to give you a chance to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and to solve that issue of your past. It can be solved right here, right now. And I'm going to ask you to hold up your hand really high with nobody looking around. Just hold up your hand really high. Yeah, multiple hands. Multiple hands. If you if you raise your hand, you can go ahead and, and lower them now. I'm so proud of you. There was probably eight, eight to ten people. And I'm going to pray a prayer. Father, I thank you that my past does not define me. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be set free from my past. That you've forgiven me is amazing to me to think that thought. That anybody who would call out to you, Jesus, would be saved. And I'm calling out to you today. Save me, Jesus. And your word says that if anybody calls out to you, you would say yes, that you would save them. And I thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. Thank you for wiping away my past. Thank you that even though it happened, that it has completely disappeared, thrown into a sea of forgetfulness. I thank you for forgiving me and I give you all of the praise and all of the glory and I just want to say thank you. Come on new song. Could you just tell Jesus thank you? Just tell him thank you in your own way. Thank you for saving me. I don't care how long you've been saved. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Now for everybody else in this in this room, if you want to live your life of purpose, I'm going to tell you that you thought this was a normal Sunday. But there's been a supernatural draw, and you're about to have a supernatural encounter. And I'm going to speak a blessing over you, a special blessing over you, that God would reveal to you suffering that you've been called to answer, that you would see it, that you would know it, that all of a sudden you would see things that you've never seen before, or you'd be inspired by things that have never inspired you before or you would have a longing to do things that you've never done before. As you, as you expand the kingdom of God, take territory back from the enemy and make a difference in the world. And if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to have an encounter, I'd just like you to raise both of your hands to the Lord as an act of surrender and let me bless you today. 
Heavenly Father, I bless every person in this room that is longing to answer the call that you have placed upon their life. They're longing to live out their purpose in Christ Jesus. They're longing not only for an encounter with you, but a, but a life of making a difference in this world. And so I bless them today with supernatural wisdom, with supernatural understanding. Father, I pray that you'd give them eyes to see what they have not seen, that you would give them inspiration to confront the lies of the enemy, the torments of the enemy, the, de the deceit of the enemy, the, the, the attacks of the enemy. When they see people suffering, Father, give them not only the desire, not only the, the discipline, but the absolute love in their heart for those people who are suffering so they would make a difference in their lives. Father, reveal it to them, I pray. And then I pray that you would raise up a generation that is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. I thank you, Father, that you're raising up a generation that is willing to be inconvenienced for the glory and in the name of Jesus Christ to expand the kingdom of God. I thank you that there's a generation that is coming alive right now in the Holy Spirit, that you are filling your church with the power of the Spirit to make a difference in the world, not only in this community, not only in North Central Indiana, not only in this nation, but a global impact. I thank you, Father, that as lives are depending upon us to make a difference, that as we live a life of surrender, as we live a life of submission to you, you'll use us for the glory of your name and for their benefit, that we will make eternal differences for their good and for your kingdom. Father, I declare in Jesus' name that your power and your spirit would rest in us and upon us as we live for you, as we surrender to you, and as we live to make a difference in the lives of others. And I thank you, Father, for calling us out of darkness and into your glorious light. And I thank you that you have placed now a ministry of grace, a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of restoration in our lives so that we could be a blessing to those around us. Father, give us eyes to see those opportunities. Give us, give us wisdom to know when we're to take advantage of those opportunities that you create. And Father, I speak over my church family today that you would make us people of faith, that we would not walk in fear, but we would walk in purpose, and we would walk in faith in you, knowing that your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, and you will do good things as we live lives of surrender, and we thank you for it, that we're going to come back into this place. As Moses came back to the mountain and worshiped you, so we will come back into this place and lift our hands and raise our voices in praise to our God for all of the things that you've done in us and through us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you believe that, let's put our hands together and thank the Lord. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.